tremendous need that there is for the development of love, for the development of compassion, and for the actualization of that in the world that we live in. Let us recognize that love has, the power has, to alleviate suffering, to bring about an end to alienation. Surely all of us recognize the power that love and compassion <laughs> to bring about joy <laughs> inwardly and outwardly. Without, without a sense of love within ourselves, positivity and openness, and all of the qualities which are a part of love, Without all of that, there comes about an inner climate which is both barren and sterile. A world without love being <laughs> is a world of aggression, a world of violence, a world of people divided. <laughs> separated from the qualities of respect, the qualities of care, the qualities of sensitivity, <laughs> the actualities of war, of racism, of sexism, of exploitation. Those experiences also can't be separated from a lack of There won't, I feel, come within ourselves and into conflict and into suffering and into exploitation until each one of us learns how to live with respect, <laughs> learns how to live with love, until each one of us really understands what it actually means to live with sensitivity and actualize those qualities in our thoughts. <laughs> It doesn't really matter how wise a person is. It doesn't matter how much of a portfolio <laughs> of having accumulated so many special causes or enlightenment intensives. <laughs> if we don't no, if we don't know how to love, if we don't know how to respect, if we don't know how to care for one another, 
then we simply cannot touch the heart of another. How to love, then we are also divided and alienated from our own beings. And if we don't know of one another with our own hearts, then there is separation and there can't be an appreciation of the uniqueness and preciousness of all life. There can't be communication and there The absence of love is essentially the absence of an inner vision of connectedness. It's an absence of a oneness in which we all share, a beingness in which we all make. It is love, and the experience of love and sensitivity within ourselves, which is the force towards loving action. It is love which is the foundation of compassion. The foundation of a life of compassion, <laughs> we are able to extend ourselves beyond the boundaries of a personal reality to touch another. <laughs> extend ourselves beyond our personal reality to endeavor to alleviate the suffering and conflict with which we are surrounded. Without love, without that quality of love within ourselves, then there is no action. There's no extension of ourselves. There's no reaching beyond. Without a kind of reinforcing of a removal and withdrawal from life. And in that, a with personal reality. Also, without love, we simply ethical life. And by an ethical life, I mean a life of integrity, a life of sensitivity. Learn to be ethical. We can to be ethical. Sensitivity. An ethical life is not a life of adopting a set of rules. It's not a life of adopting a particular code of conduct. Neither does an ethical life come about by verbalizing five or ten or 313 precepts. An ethical life is when there is an end within ourselves desire to manipulate, to exploit, or to live with deceit. An ethical life is one that comes out of a deep vision of connectedness. A deep realization that to harm or undermine or hurt another being in any way any form 
is to harm ourselves. In a deep vision of connectedness, there's not a sense of separation between I and you. There's a sense, a deep vision of the foundation of living in which we all share. That each living being shares in the capacity to suffer. That each living being shares in the capacity to experience fear. That each living being has a capacity to experience conflict. Also share in the wish and the desire to be free from fear, to be free from pain, to be free from conflict. point in which all life comes together, in which there is no separation, no distinction. The vision of connectedness, the seeing of the different realities that we perceive around us, the differing expressions of life that we see around us, are just differing reality and one life force. A morality which is adopted has no power. Ethical code which is adopted, which is lacking in that vision of connectedness, simply can't be lived. Because the adoption of morality, the adoption of ethics, takes place primarily within the mind and the mode of thought. And thought simply doesn't have the power to bring about <laughs> thought simply doesn't have the power to bring about the end of the desires, the end of the clinging, the end of the greed, the end of the self centeredness, <laughs> which is the cause and the source of domination, of manipulation and oppression. Love, and ethical life have their home within the heart. And love and sensitivity and compassion have their foundation and their base. Through the heart there is a vision of connectedness. Through the heart there is a development of feeling. Through the development of feeling there is the potential A holistic spiritual path is one of feel which emphasizes <laughs> the feeling, which emphasizes the development of openness, which emphasizes the development of <laughs> inner sensitivity to enhance love, to enhance compassion. <laughs> a whole person, a balanced person, is one who can live with those feelings. And if we can't live with those, <laughs> we live in a state of imbalance within ourselves. <laughs> spiritual approach can easily become imbalanced. <laughs> feelings are simply not given the attention they deserve. Where the potential of feelings, <laughs> where the power of feelings of <laughs> compassion is simply not appreciated. 
and when it's not emphasized, it is to the detriment, I feel, of our own well-being, <laughs> of the well-being of the world in which we live. Spiritual <laughs> often interpreted as being ones in which we remove ourselves, <laughs> detach ourselves in which we make a kind of separation, no matter how <coughs> temporary that separation is meant to be, between ourselves and the world. I've met people who have spent <coughs> in meditation, in intensive meditation, who spent years sitting, their eyes closed, suddenly to find that they become deeply disillusioned sometimes dropping it completely. <laughs> where they set aside completely that whole mode of existence and turn to a life of <laughs> or else simply become bitter and disappointed because spirituality hasn't <laughs> themselves as a person. Sometimes, which they have interpreted, felt to be disillusionment, simply because existed within that spiritual life, are just seen to be unattainable. Are just seen to be so far out of a person's reach that there's no possibility that they can ever succeed or achieve them. And a major factor that I fear leads to that dropping of a particular mode of spirituality is that a person discovers that they simply can't stop feeling. And they discover also <coughs> that they need to relate, <coughs> to interact, that they need to be able to give of themselves through feeling and also to receive feeling. And yet, that need to give and receive of feeling, an inability to <laughs> of barrenness, of sterility, is often regarded as a kind of failure. Regarded as a kind of inner imperfection. That one simply wasn't quite good enough to do it. didn't quite have what it took to really practice the path of enlightenment. And the inability to stop feeling, the attraction towards wanting to give and is often regarded as a kind of as a kind of imperfection. Spirituality or spiritual perfection is often regarded as coming to resemble someone who looks very similar to this fellow who's sitting behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Some <laughs> perhaps 
the face. <laughs> dynamics that life brings. Action is often regarded as a kind of Steadiness is not the right word. Disability is perhaps more appropriate. Where the dynamics and the challenges of life simply bounce off us. Capacity to be moved, the capacity to respond is often and the actuality is often regarded as a kind of hindrance. We need to look, I feel, very clearly at the place of feeling in spirituality. We need to really look at the potential, the spiritual potential of feeling. We need to look at the place of feeling in our own spiritual development. Do we need more unmoved, or do we need, as people, as individuals, to become increasingly In spiritual paths, the place of feeling is acknowledged. Certainly in every spiritual path, it is acknowledged that there is a need for love, it is acknowledged that there is a need for compassion. Ideas of loving kindness and compassion are even idealized. And yet, no matter it seems realized or recognized, they still play a very secondary role. They're nice. Takes to get you to enlightenment. They're nice things to have, but kind of very secondary and important. Certainly also love and compassion and are seeing their basic potential or their basic power is simply to compensate for anger. If you feel angry at someone, if you feel angry at yourself, practice a bit of loving kindness. <laughs> retreat and undergo, you'll probably find a mention of loving kindness, you'll probably find a mention of compassion. And on most retreats, perhaps 200 hours sitting and 10 minutes at the end doing a bit of loving-kindness meditation. It's not to say that it's not included. Certainly feeling is included, but its emphasis is so very, very secondary. Or love and compassion and sensitivity are at times regarded as develop after you get your own enlightenment. They're sometimes regarded as qualities to pay attention to after you've done the real work of getting liberated. And then after you've worked out, then you can come back and give attention to getting together some love and compassion. Certainly, no teacher and no the need for love, the need for compassion. I don't think I've ever met anyone who would be able to divorce love and compassion and sensitivity from feeling. 
And yet, in the spiritual path, feeling is given very little emphasis. Or the emphasis that they are given is that feelings are something to detach yourselves from. Something to watch, something to to see arise, and something. Certainly, most spiritual models in the are attributed endless qualities of boundless love and boundless compassion. And yet, it is an actuality that the spiritual life tends to be very separate from the social life. And the spiritual life in that separation also tends to be very separated from giving an to relieving the suffering, the oppression, the exploitation that exists within those areas of our being. How much wisdom can be separated? We really question how much insight and spirituality can be separated from the of love and a life of compassion. I would really question how much we can realistically and honestly separate the spiritual life from caring for the end of suffering, from caring for the existing world around us. Certainly no devotee or follower I doubt would ever say that their teacher doesn't live or abide in a <laughs> Certainly most teachers and authorities have attributed to them endless qualities of being bound to <laughs> being. And yet, when we look, when we authorities who surrounded us may not necessarily be involved in action relationships and extending oneself to suffering that exists in a variety of different forms in which it appears in, one's, in our lives. And often when that is mentioned or questioned, it is said then that that teacher, or that authority, <laughs> the salvation of all beings, are not concerned with the particulars. <laughs> in the world we live in, we need a lot less we need many more people, individuals, to actualize their spirituality in the way We need much more of a life of peace, a life of love, and a life of compassion. Certainly deny out of freedom, 
And those qualities certainly bring a tremendous <laughs> suffering within ourselves, which is reflected outwardly in the world in which we live. Reality <laughs> is often seen as a path which is directed toward overcoming those qualities. Transcend training. Learning how to transcend identification. Learning Enlightenment, liberation, is usually presented as being the goal, the essence of the spiritual life. And the path to that liberation is also presented as being the path of overcoming the overcoming the hindrances within ourselves, something which create pain. Overcoming desire, <laughs> overcoming pain. If we have a goal, then we need a path. And the path to overcome that which is seen as a hindrance, that which is seen as a bondage and a source of suffering, is generally presented and interpreted as being the path of detachment. The true detachment the development of detachment, we will overcome detachment. We will overcome clinging. The development of attachment, of detachment, we will overcome identification. In that path of developing detachment, then this development is often taken one step further. The detachment is developed in order to overcome attachment. But it's often carried further than that. It is not just the process of clinging which is seen to be needed to be transcended or worked on being transcended. Not just the process, but also the form. <laughs> attachment and clinging is directed. So often in that path of detachment, there's not just clinging, but also a withdrawal from the form in which it finds itself being bound. There's often then a withdrawal from objects, withdrawal from people, withdrawal from relationships, a withdrawal from sexuality. It's almost cannot cope with or recognize or accept its own tendency to cling and so finds a scapegoat. And the scapegoat is found in all of those things which we find ourselves involved in. It is if we find ourselves in relationships which are problematic, we find ourselves being possessive with objects, we find ourselves identifying with particular roles in life, then it may seem easier to drop the objects, drop the relationships, drop the people, drop all of those areas of involvement. <laughs> Be free inwardly of the tendency to cling. In feeling the need to withdraw, <laughs> for which attachment and clinging is directed and finds 
home. We don't, <coughs> we don't live a life where there is more freedom. We actually live a life where there is more limitation. Reality <coughs> has become not a path to freedom, but a path to bondage. <coughs> I handle something, so I avoid it. In the avoidance, it seems I've handled it. limitation for myself. I'm afraid of something, so I don't expose myself to it. <coughs> what we've actually created is another wall around us. I find myself difficult, having problems in relationships, so I don't have relationships. Well, I'm not attached. I have no relationships. What we've actually created is another source of limitation around us. Whereas the seeds are suffering and the clinging, the tendency to identify, the tendency to cling. In the development of detachment, is often invalidated and seen to be a hindrance. Is emphasized as being something to watch, something to let go of, something to renounce. In that movement of mind, it sees feeling as a hindrance and sees it as being something simply to watch. Meditation then moves from the heart the There's a problem <coughs> because just because we sit and meditate doesn't mean that feelings don't arise. <coughs> if anything, they arise more intensely, they arise more strongly. If we relate then to our feelings as being a hindrance, then we relate to them as a problem. If we find that I that we are constantly <laughs> trying in some way to detach ourselves from them, then we place a negative value upon feeling. For women, for many women, for many men, too, I'm sure this is a problem because feeling is an important factor in our lives. Through our feelings, we connect with people, <coughs> with life. Through our feelings, we connect with nature. 
Sometimes women come to meditation retreat and they sit and there's a lot that comes up. For everybody when you sit, there's a lot that comes up. And often what gives that <laughs> charge and power is the presence of feeling behind it. What makes <laughs> contents intense, what makes them have a lot of charge, is the degree of feeling which is involved. And yet when it is articulated that there is all this feeling coming up, and the feeling, when that is expressed, then people are often told, well, it's something that they'll get over. But as you won't have it. But as you get higher, and as you deepen, you won't have this experience. And there is a kind of weakness, is a kind of spiritual imperfection. Where are you? The actuality, the feelings arise, and a negative value and the continuing of their arising are fields that lead many people to assume an spiritual identity, which then degenerates into passivity. Mental liberation is not for me, because look at that. And I have to settle for something less, trying to get together a nice wholesome life, or trying to live a bit more ethically, or trying to understand myself more. And so many people feel that on some level within themselves. Simply not good enough. Simply don't have what it takes to reach liberation. And often what gives rise to that feeling is their own capacity to feel. What do we do to ourselves when we place a negative value on feeling? What do we do to ourselves when we, in any way, deny feelings taking place within ourselves? What we do is we make a split within ourselves. We alienate ourselves from the totality of our whole being. And then we form to some model of spirituality in the name of trying to conform to some perfection. In that denial, we deny ourselves. If we deny what is taking place within ourselves, we also deny our capacity to be ourselves. And then our models and our ideals and more significant than the actuality of being in touch with who we are as a person. Holistic spirituality, I feel, appreciates our uniqueness and appreciates the totality of our entire being. It also embraces our capacity to feel 
and appreciate the fertility and the spiritual potential of being. Is the path of detachment the only path? Is the path of letting go, the path of watching, the path of renunciation, the only means to open your own wholesome and to bring about an empty When does we question when become feeling? You know how much we question where we would actually be without feeling. In a world which is filled with violence, in a world which is filled with aggression, in a world which is filled with separation. Too often, values are accepted without question. Negative values placed on feeling, the word judgment, sort of concept in spirituality. We must not judge. If you walk down the road here, you saw someone kicking a dog at the end of the road. In the name of detachment, would a skillful be to simply walk on by? If the word life is happening, I'm watching my feelings of life and time. Would not a skillful response be to say, that is unwholesome, and to base and bring about some sort of action based <laughs> on coming from a place of feeling and response to stop that action? If we see <laughs> being exploited or harmed or undermined, is it a sign to dissolve into meekness and humility and to say, well, I'm going to learn something from it. How much pain do we accept in our lives in the name of learning something from it? What is the point at which we see that spiritual highness is not saying that everything is acceptable. At what point is it that we recognize that not everything in life is acceptable and not everything in life is something to necessarily be learned something from? Or how many times do we have to go <laughs> to realize that we have learned what needs to be learned? And can say, so we feel undermined or harmed or exploited that this is simply not acceptable and I will not accept <laughs> To feel that everything in life is acceptable in the name of spirituality, in the name of learning something from it, I feel is not wisdom, it's just nothing more than plain foolishness. Once I was in uh, monastery in Thailand doing my usual number of cleaning the rice. And another monk who said to me, Western monk, I really envy you. 
But research has such a wonderful opportunity here to develop service and to develop humility. It's such a wonderful opportunity to develop selfishness by serving all of us. I'll stop for a moment. Absolutely speechless. I said to him, if it's really so wonderful, how would you like to take my place? But certainly I feel there's a point in our lives when we look at things and question and say, and say this is not conducive to my well-being. This is not conducive to the well-being of the world. A negative value is placed upon feeling, or there's a postponement of the development of love and compassion, and instead of its development onto forgiving to detachment, and to developing detachment in every area by life and mind. It can happen in that path, but there really is very but there really is very little celebration. <laughs> But there is very little of a sense of true harmony and well-being and love and sensitivity which is extended both inwardly and outwardly. When we only emphasize overcoming the unwholesome and overcoming the wholesome, meditation practice can become so intensely serious and sometimes it can become so miserable simply because we look within ourselves and if we're really intent on just on overcoming the unwholesome, working out our places and all the rest of it, there's simply so much to work out. And there's simply so much to get over. And simply so much to transcend. And I feel it's an actuality that what you emphasize is what you see. And if you emphasize the unwholesome and the negative, which may be a part of our being, if we emphasize the hindrances, the attachments, the clinging that we see within ourselves, then basically that emphasis means that that is what we see. And that becomes our identity. It becomes so miserable because we don't want to be what we see to be, what we are. <laughs> I don't think I got that one. <laughs> When meditation is very personal on reaching some goal of perfection, it also means that we must become better, obviously, than and if we're not enlightened and we're not liberated, then obviously we've got to simply do something about it and get better and be better. And yeah. That often means a kind of rejection of who we are as a person. That often in relationship to our models and to our ideals and to our goals. That judging of ourselves means a lot of, means a lot of pursuit because we are not where we feel we should be. On the way to get 
whoever feels to do is to striving and to working things out. I'm not sure that striving and working things out is probably or hopefully or possibly going to get more perfect. And that at some time in the future, hopefully, some entertainment where we don't have to get better or more perfect or work on things anymore. <laughs> Sometimes I meet people in meditation practice and it is so sad to feel so miserable, so intense and lacking in joy. And it's so awful to feel that one is surrounded in nothing more than a bundle of imperfect elements, never mind elements. And I see that kind of intensity and that kind of misery and suffering that's going on in the And sometimes I wonder what happened to that line of the Buddhist that the path of meditation, the path of happiness, And sometimes I can't help but feel that there is something lacking, that there is something being missed. And have missed that intensity and that striving and that suffering. Have we never walked outside in nature and listened to the birds and seen the trees and felt the ground under our feet and felt a real fear in our stillness? And a lack of that clinging and suffering and conflict and need and demand? Have we never sat down or been with another person and really felt a sense of joy and love and sharing in that communication? There was no expectations and no images and no aggressiveness. Have we never sat down alone with ourselves? A real sense of wholeness and completeness in that aloneness. A real sense of not needing a real sense of vision of connectedness and fullness and wholeness. What is the foundation of those experiences? They're not rich with striving. They're not rich with working. They're not rich with working things out. foundation of those experiences is an abiding in a vision of connectedness. The foundation of those experiences is a vision of non-separation. It serves me to need to question whether detachment is the only path to the end of separation, or whether that vision of connectedness would be of all experienced and seen within ourselves and be in that nurturing a path to the end of separation and feeling is a part of that nurturing sensitivity and love and compassion and developing those feelings within ourselves is a path feeling I feel is often undervalued or 
given a negative value. <laughs> feeling is often equated with emotional reaction. <laughs> reaction is a construction of mind, which is constructed on the basis of feeling. Attachment and identification are also constructions of mind made on the basis. Surely it is not the feelings in themselves which are negative. Surely it is not the feelings in themselves or detachment. But surely it is the capacity to set aside those constructions, to set aside that building process which distorts our vision of connectedness and actuality. To set aside <laughs> connect with our capacity to feel and to respond totally. <laughs> Nurturing a feeling enhances a connection with life with nature, with other people, with ourselves. Nurturing of sensitivity can only bring openness and appreciation. Nurturing of sensitivity can only bring about an appreciation of the uniqueness and the preciousness of all life. Nurturing that vision of connectedness can surely only cut through separation and cut through all the divisions of Nurturing that vision of connectedness is surely a path of joy, a path of sensitivity, and a path of celebration. When we see and appreciate the fertility of feeling, to cut through division, and appreciate the fertility of feelings and their accompanying by insight and understanding, to cut through separation. Learning to value <laughs> learning to value everything that makes us a person. It's learning <laughs> of feeling to enhance and deepen our sense of connectedness. And in nurturing that to cut through separation. Receptivity must never be allowed to degenerate into passivity. Just as action must never be allowed to degenerate into power over. But through wisdom, through insight, through looking at ourselves, through valuing the totality of who we are, learning what it means to nurture connectedness, as a path to liberation, as a path to the end of all separation. May all beings live with love. May all beings live with compassion. May all beings abide in the vision of connectedness.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.